Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. In Psalm 55, we read it says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication, my cry. Give heed to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint. I am surely distracted because of the voice of my enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. Poor David. He says, terrors of death have fallen upon him. You ever felt like you had terrors of death falling on you? Like threats, death threats is what he's saying. I've got death threats. Now, if you've never had your life threatened, you're a blessed individual. But I would share the gospel there in Arizona. And I remember one Saturday night, John Higgins, the head pastor, he called me and said, you're going to be teaching tomorrow. I've got to get on a plane. My mom's not doing well. The Bible says to be ready to share the hope you have, the instant in season and out of season. I got trained galore to be ready to teach at a moment's notice. Well, because of that, I got to hear this time, I'm teaching, it's a Saturday night. I got a whole evening to prepare, right? In the middle of the night, I get a phone call from a Satanist saying, if you teach tomorrow, we're gonna kill you. Now, I hung out with Satanists before I was a Christian. So I said, meet me on the sidewalk in front of my house. Here's my address, 1259 East Pebble Beach Drive. I'll be out there right now and let's go. And so he pulled up in his car. I just thought, you know, I am not getting my night's sleep wrecked by some Satanist threatening me to kill me if I preach. So meet me on the sidewalks. And this fellow jumps out of his car and he pulls a 44 out and he sticks it into my forehead. But I said, listen, you're in the group I used to be in. Let me tell you something. They teach you that Jesus died and that Satan killed Jesus and he won at the cross. What they don't teach you is what the rest of the story is, that Jesus rose from the dead. He's not dead. I said, he's risen and he lives in my heart. And the guy was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to kill you if you preach. I said, no, because you believe the lie and I'm going to proclaim the truth to you. And you can kill me. I don't care. Before you do, I'm going to pray that the calling I have on my life, whoever I'd have to lead to the Lord, whatever kids in Sunday school I'd have to teach, whatever people I would help out in, in my lifetime, that my calling will go on you. And I forgive you totally, man. You, you're just saving me a lot of headache. But you're going to get my headache. Because whatever I would have had to do, I'm going to ask God to put it on you. And so he's got this gun to my head. And he's pointing around and keeps it. And so I said, let me pray for you. And so I began to pray, Lord, I pray that you would take my calling and whoever I would help, any kid, any adult, anybody that I will ever help in my lifetime. And you will take my calling and put it on this man in front of me and that he will come to know the truth. What I know that Christ is risen and he is not dead like the Satanists teach. And as I'm praying, all of a sudden he just jerks the gun away from me. You're crazy. I am not going to take care of all those old folks in the old folks home. And I am not going to go to visit the people in jail. And I was just praying for all the different ministries that I would participate in, that God would put all that on him. He looks at me and I had told him, I said, Jesus is risen. He's alive. And he said, prove it. 
I think of Ainona. She said, the eyes are the window of the soul. So I said, look in my eyes. Look. It says if Jesus stands at the door of our heart, he knocks. If we open the door, he'll come in. He'll be with us. I said, he's with me. It's legit. He's really alive. As I'm praying, he pulls the gun down. He says, you're crazy. And I looked right at him. And he looked at my eyes and he went, oh, he's alive. He jumped in his car and sped off. But if you do not think that there'll be opposition if you proclaim the gospel, I've got news for you. You're living in a delusion because there is enemies of the gospel and they don't want you to do the things God has for you. And there was enemies for David, for his calling. And unfortunately, as we're going to read on, we're going to see his enemies weren't just the Philistines. His enemies were even within the Jews in the culture there against him, and especially the ones that were with Saul, because Saul was the king, and God's saying, Saul, you disobeyed. I'm going to get a guy who will obey me, a man after my own heart. That's what he called David. So David says in verse four, my heart is in anguish within me. He says, the terrors of death have fallen upon me. In other words, death threats have come to me. Fear and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I'd fly away and be at rest. Behold, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hasten to my place of refuge. Have any of you ever thought this? He says, from the stormy wind and the tempest, I'd be out of here. Now, we would never say, if I had my own jet, I'd be out of here, right? If I had a way to get out of here, I'd be gone. Any of you ever thought that? Or you just want to be gone, like escape these people are causing you. He's like, I want to be out of here. That's David saying it just like it is. Man, I wish I had wings like a dove. Get me out of here. So he prays, verse 9, confuse, O Lord. Divide their tongue. He's talking about the enemies. Let their tongues be divided. In other words, let them backbite against each other, not against me. Let them chew on each other. For I've seen the violence and the strife of the city. Day and night. They go around upon city walls and there's iniquity and mischief in her midst, destructions in her midst, oppression and deceit do not depart from her streets. This is Saul who's running the city and he's saying, what's going on in the capital? Not that anything's changed in our nation's capital. I mean, what's going on? That's where all the mischief is. That's where all the iniquity, all the oppression. He says it doesn't even depart from her streets. It's funny when powers to be come into power, how they can become oppressive to the people. And David cries, verse 12, he says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. He says, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man of my equal, my companion and my familiar friend. We who had sweet fellowship together, we walked in the house of God, in the congregation, if it was just an enemy reproaching me, reproach means to accuse of a fault. If an enemy was accusing me of a fault, he'd be like, it's okay. But it wasn't an enemy, David says. It was someone he knew, a familiar friend. You know, Saul was the guy who said, David, here's my armor. When he went to fight Goliath, take my armor. And David said, I can't do this. I'm not comfortable with this stuff. It's too heavy. I can't move. I can't fight the way I know how to fight. But as a young lad, to be favored by the king and offered the king's armor and then to grow up around him and to place praise songs. He says, oh, if it was just some enemy accusing me and finding fault with me, but it's not. 
It's my familiar friend, he says. And boy, isn't it terrible when it's someone you know. The pain to me is stabbing when it's that pain from a friend. He says, let death come deceitfully upon them. Let them go down alive to Sheol, for evil is in their dwelling, in their midst. As for me, he says, I shall call upon the Lord, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon, I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice, and he will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. For there are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them. I love this. David says how often we're allowed to complain to the Lord. And by the way, this is the Jewish way of saying it. Evening, morning, and noon. We would say in English, morning, noon, and night to indicate all day. But the Jews don't begin their day at morning. They begin their day at sunset. When the sun sets, that's the beginning of the next day. So when the sun sets, say on Friday night, if you're a good Jew, then Friday is the day of preparation because the Saturday for the Jews is the Sabbath for them, the Shabbat. Soon as the sun sets on Friday night, no work. Everybody's off. It's just relax. It's a day of rest. Honor God and rest. And so they totally rest from what we would call Friday night at sundown all the way till Saturday night at sundown. So it's evening, then the morning, then the noon, then you come back to the next sunset, and that's one day in the Jewish. Now, we start our days in Western culture morning, noon, and night. So if this reads a little funny to you, you don't understand. It's because he's telling it how it is in their culture. He's saying, I could complain to the Lord. When he says evening, that's the beginning of their day. From the beginning of my day, all the way till the morning, we would say the mid part, all the way till evening, morning, and to the noontime. In other words, I can complain all day long to the Lord. And what does it say? He will hear my voice. Now, he didn't just say, I can complain. David said, I can complain and murmur to the Lord. Some people, they think pastor means AKA complaint department. If you have the title pastor on your door, I'm going to go complain to that guy. But that's not scriptural. Never ever are we taught in the scripture to go complain to a man. We're taught to go complain and murmur to the Lord. Because he's the only one really that can do anything about it. I mean, let's be honest. A man can hear your complaining and your murmuring. He might get sick of you pretty quick. How much power does another man usually have to do anything about it? He can be a listening ear, might comfort you. Yeah, I've, I can relate or I can't relate. He can't fix how God can fix, can he? When we complain to the Lord, we're talking to the right complaint department. We're talking to the guy, doesn't matter what your complaint and murmuring's about, he has the power to fix it. So David says, that's why I say this is one of my all-time favorite psalms. All day long, evening, morning, noon, I complain to the Lord. I murmur to him, Lord, I got a problem down here. My enemies are against me. They're, they're after me. Could you take care of it? Is that a good prayer? Are we talking to the right complaint? Yeah, that's where I want to teach people. Direct your complaining and murmuring unto the Lord. Because look at verse 18, and he will redeem your soul. He'll redeem your soul in peace from the battle which is against you. For there are many 
who strive against us. Isn't that true? How many people do we encounter in our life's journey that I don't know why they have to be out there. I personally wish they weren't. There's some people, they just love to strive with you. They love to bicker. They love to fight. It could be a happy day and they still pick a fight. You're like, why are you picking a fight? Well, why not? This is David saying he realized when he put his complaints and his murmuring to the Lord, what did the Lord do for him? This is the part, if you grasp this part, this part will really help you. When you complain to the Lord, it's not like complaining to a man who maybe could do something or maybe can't. When we talk to the Lord, it says, he redeems my soul in peace. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. It's not the peace of the world, he says. Not the peace like the world gives, do I give. It's my peace, okay? And his peace, he said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because he has overcome the world. See, my peace doesn't come from, well, the world has a totally different definition for peace. The world says peace is absence of conflict. If I just don't have any conflicts, then I'll be at peace. If I could buy my own island and live all alone and nobody to bother me, then I'd be at peace. Until a coconut fell on your head. If I just didn't have any striving, then I'd be at peace. That's not the peace that Jesus described. Jesus says, I give you my peace. Now, his peace says that no matter what you go through, you know this one, Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. See, that's a peace to our soul. Our soul has a peace inside because we know no matter what we face, Jesus said, I'll never leave you, right? I'll never abandon you. I'm always with you to the ends of the age. That's a comfort to my soul. David recognized if he complained to the Lord, the Lord heard his cry and the Lord gave him his soul redeemed in peace. And David says, and he redeemed my soul in peace from the battle which was against him. For there were many that strive with him. David understood there are those people that strive. It's a hard thing. I hate that they do that, but they do. They strive against us. Why do they strive? Why do some men just like to strive? Why do some men like to pick a fight? For no reason. They don't even need a reason. They just like to fight. Listen to verse nine. God will hear and answer them, he says. Those ones that strive. Even the ones who's enthroned from of old. Okay, now I think he's alluding to even to the guys in power. Or in the case of David's life, he's making allusion to Saul. And he says, with whom there is no change. They do not fear God. He's put forth his hand against those that were at peace with him. He's violated his covenant. His speech, it says, was smoother than butter, but his heart was at war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were like drawn swords. Now, he'd be like, my enemy's words were smooth as butter. They were like smooth as oil. But he says, but even though the words were smooth, do you see the description? He says, their heart was at war and their words were like drawn swords. They might speak real smoothly, but he saw through the word. Have you ever had a person like that? They got that nice smooth speech, but their heart is not, not for you. And David saw through that. He saw nice smooth words, but they're really waiting to stick you. And he says, but even when he sees them doing this, 
he gives me one of my favorite verses, verse 22. I do really encourage you to highlight these verses, verse 16, 17, and 18 for certain. And verse 22, another one that I find has carried me through so many trials. It says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. And what does it mean when the Lord sustains you? He holds you up. He keeps you empowered to push forward. That's being sustained. He says, if you take your burdens, cast them on the Lord, you complain to the Lord, the Lord gives you his peace. You cast your burdens on the Lord, the Lord gives you sustaining. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint, right? They mount up with wings like the eagles. When we go to him and wait upon him and ask him, give him our cares. You know, Peter tells us, he learned from Jesus, cast all your cares on the Lord. He cares for you. You know, give him all your burdens and listen to the end of verse 22. This is beautiful. And he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Oh, the, have you ever had something shake you? I mean, really shake. I mean, somebody came against you and it kind of put a, a shaken down to your core. They threaten you with a lawsuit. I don't know why they have to do that. You're trying to serve the Lord and you're trying to help the homeless. And all of a sudden you get a lawsuit from someone in the community. Well, we like what you're doing, but we don't want you doing it in our backyard. You know, go somewhere else and help those poor people. And I'm like, but we're doing it where the poor people are. How, how do I do it somewhere else? That's where they are. Wow, we don't like that you're here. You know, we got threatened with loss and it shakes you. You know why I did a lawsuit? Here, Lord, got a lawsuit here is for you. I mean, really, I'm just doing what you told me to do. So I guess you have to take care of this. Now, when I give it to him, what does it do for me being shaken? Takes away that unsteadiness. I can now rest. Lord, you handle it. David is a great example, better than I think many, many of the men in our culture you know, a lot of our men, they said, be manly, solve the problem yourself. David said, be a godly man, let God solve the problem. Goliath came at him. He says, what am I, a dog? You come at me with a stick and, and some stones. And David said, no, I'm a servant of the most high God. I come to you in his name. And it's him who's going to give you, you unto me. He's going to give me your head this day. David's confidence wasn't in himself. His confidence was in the Lord. And so David is a great example for us to pattern as men, that we be men that take all our problems, give them to God. And we let him keep us from being shaken. We let him be our rock. And then David ends the Psalm, last verse, but you, O God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. My enemy, you're going to take care of. That's what he's saying. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days, but as for me, I will trust you. This is where, if I could impress anything, if I could pass on to my own son, to Sean, to the younger ones, the next generation, the Bible says, don't trust in horses, don't trust in chariots, don't trust in the arm of flesh. Instead, it says, trust in the Lord. And David was a man, well, we just saw last week, he's on the hillside running from Saul's men with his men. On the opposite side of the mountain, there's a, a ravine between them. They're running, trying to get away. And, and it was the last minute when all of a sudden Saul's messenger comes and says, oh, the Philistines are attacking Saul. You got to go back. And David was just, a, he was on the last minute. He was about to get caught. And the Lord delivered him. David knew 
how it was to be delivered by the Lord. He probably did it better than we do. He had grown in his faith and trust. He says, as for me, those guys aren't even going to live out half their days. Now, this is something we should remember. When you don't do what is righteous in the sight of God, David had a clear understanding. Those wicked men will only live out half their days. Because the promise to live out a full length of life in the Bible is not to the one who does wickedness repeatedly. It's to the one who pleases God. And what's it say in the Ten Commandments? The very first commandment with a promise we read is the one about honor your father and your mother. It will go well with you and it will extend, it will add to the length of your day. In other words, God will bless you when you honor your parents. Now, wicked men, do they honor their parents? No. Generally, they don't, ah, who cares about my mom, dad? And God says, they won't live out those long days because they don't follow my word. To me, David seemed to actually let that sink into him. That when he saw his enemies, he's like, they're not going to live out the half of their days. And God's going to take care of them. As for me, he says, I'm going to trust the Lord. I need to draw near to God all the time to keep the right attitude. The right attitude about the wicked, the right attitude about my complaining. I'm not telling you you can't complain. I want you to hear this. If you can hear this, you are allowed to come. I'm giving you the verse right here. Here's the verse that allows you to complain morning, noon, night. You complain all the time, all you want, just not to me. Complain to the Lord. And will he hear you? Now, this is what I want you to hear. If you can, you can hear this. He wants you to bring your complaints to him. He wants you to cast your burdens on him. He wants to redeem your soul in peace. And I don't believe we get his peace until we give him our problems. Jesus said this, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The yoke was the thing, the instrument they steered the oxen with. I'll steer your life. I'll direct my direction in your life for all your problems. Want to trade? I mean, we'd be crazy not to trade. To trade all our problems to the Lord? Here you go, Lord, take my problems and you just direct my step. That's a good trade. His peace in all of our tribulations. You want rest for your soul? Some people don't know this first. I love meeting the saints. They knew this from their youth because they've done it their whole life and they've saved themselves so much stress on their body. When you have a daily habit of praying and saying, God, here's my problems, I give it to you. It's funny how the older saints, they don't look as weathered, worn. They have a fullness of the joy in the Lord in their face, like her. They just had this joy. And, and you know, it's from just saying, here's my problems, Lord, every day. Just whenever they come up, Lord, here it is. Yep, I give you that. I give you that. And they get his rest in their soul. How really precious is that? That we have his rest. And we need his rest. So if you can hear it, you have something troubling you. You have an enemy attacking you. You even have a familiar friend, like he says, one that he walked in the congregation, in the throng, right in the assembly with them, and they praised together, and now they're biting them in the back. They're attacking. David knew the pain. So he said, as for me, I'll call upon the Lord, and the Lord will save me. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. 
we meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at amazinggracekona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Fly away, and fear will not dismay.